We welcome everybody for this conference on spiritual inheritance. The theme itself causes our hearts to overflow. This theme is, for those of you who looked up even the word inheritance in preparation for coming here, you realize that you go through a door that leads to another door that leads through another door and this matter is unending. Great is our spiritual inheritance. There's so much that one could say. The, the famous illustration in the Bible of entering into the inheritance is when the children of Israel entered into the promised land. And of course they crossed the Jordan and so they're in the land of their inheritance. But they didn't know the springs of En Gedi. They didn't know the waters from the well of Bethlehem. They didn't know uh, the wonderful fields in Sharon. And, and so they were in the promised land. But there was so much to be discovered. And I think all of us feel that way as we're gathered here. We're so glad that we're gathered for this theme. And if ever there was a theme for which we could say we've been drawn by destiny, this is it. Have you ever sensed that you've been drawn by destiny? That your life has greater value than you could ever know, but you're drawn by something and by someone into a plan that's greater than we could possibly imagine? Where do we begin in scriptures to describe it? We'll just read a few and then pray and just start in. And then we'll just have to stop at a certain time and somebody will pick it up from here tomorrow morning. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let's look in the New Testament at a few portions that are very familiar to us. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Just a few verses where inheritance is mentioned. Verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, 
to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. And then uh, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. And verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, none of this age nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And then finally, just in the Gospel of John, in chapter 17, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, John chapter 17 and verse 22 through 24. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me to be, uh, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Our Father, we come to you tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus the Son who is heir of all things. We thank you that we can gather and be so gathered, even according to destiny, and believe that everybody who is here is here for a reason. Now we ask, Lord, in this first meeting that you would quicken our tired bodies, quicken our hearts to be attentive to this good theme, and that by your Holy Spirit you would grant us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ who is the key that opens up all the meaning of our great inheritance. We thank you that we gather together tonight and depend upon you. Lord, help us in this brief hour. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know where you would start if you, want, if you were going to be speaking on spiritual inheritance. It might be healthy to try to define what spiritual inheritance is, but 
uh, you find that the more you search it out that it becomes a definition something like this. Eye has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared. How vast is this spiritual inheritance? How hard to describe. Paul says that this matter has been revealed by the Spirit, but unto the mature. And we do realize that spiritual inheritance is uh, something uh, that we need to uh, reach a certain place of destiny to understand, even to begin to understand. And I just read that passage in John 17, because here we see something of spiritual inheritance put this way. The Lord Jesus took the glory that the Father gave him and he passed it along to us. There's a passing of glory to glory to glory. The Son is the one who has revealed the glory of the Father to us. And now the Son is the one who is uh, placing the glory of himself in us. And so the inheritance is a glorious thing. It's an eternal inheritance. It's a spiritual inheritance. And in the end, we have to simply say what we already sang in this hymn. I mean, this is a Sunday school answer, but we're, and so we have to be held accountable to step beyond this. But in the end, our inheritance is the Lord. And His inheritance is us. Well, now, thank you very much. It's been a good weekend, huh? <laughs> simply put... If I were to ask you, if I, if I came up to you after this message and say, well, now what after all is your inheritance? Of course, you'd say, Christ. And I'd have to give you the gold star for Sunday school answers that are correct. But may the Lord by His Spirit help us to look a little deeper into this whole thing. And I'd like to start, and the reason I went back to Genesis is because the truth of the matter is, this matter of inheritance is a major theme throughout the whole Bible. I mean, there's hundreds of references to the word inheritance or heir or these various inheritance words within the Bible. And all the way back at the very beginning, when we look at Adam and Eve, we can already see that there was this destiny in view of inheritance. What an amazing thing. Now Adam and Eve, they were blessed by God. You remember, I, I just read those verses. He says, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. And we see that man had a great destiny, which David said, put it this way in Psalm 8, even though we're a little lower than the angels, we've been crowned with glory. And majesty. For this is not just the purpose of the Son of Man, that is Jesus Christ. It is the purpose of man. Two of the themes that we find running throughout the Bible in regard to inheritance are sonship and kingdom. And right here at the beginning with Adam and Eve, you could see God's destiny for man. As a son, he was to be fruitful and multiply. And as a, a, a man, he was to take dominion to inherit the earth.
Now, this was the beginning for Adam and Eve, but we're aware, we're very aware of how much greater a destiny Adam and Eve really had than just to rule the earth. There was more than that. This matter we call spiritual inheritance was very much involved, but it was through the living out upon this earth in relationship to God by taking that tree of life that Adam was to discover that life was so much more than just living on this earth ruling over animals and having a lot of kids there was great destiny involved in Adam and Eve's creation and in their calling and in their blessing and that's why it was such a tragedy when Adam and Eve fell. They had no idea when they took that fruit and disobeyed the command of God. They had no idea what they forfeited. But indeed, they forfeited their spiritual inheritance. Now, this matter of spiritual inheritance is something that lies over the top of all that is involved in life. I mean, you and I, we live on this earth. You and I, maybe you get married. We have children. We have jobs. This is all part of life. But the spiritual inheritance is an understanding of life that transforms life in glory. We have a job. But if you sense yourself being drawn by destiny, your job has a fuller purpose than just to put in your time and make money. You have a marriage, but drawn by destiny, the marriage takes on a greater significance. You have some ministry or role in the church as a Christian, and yet that job is so much more important than we realize. Over all of our life, there's this hidden destiny, if I might put it that way. A hidden provision that will transform life and fulfill God's original purpose which is till his glory fills the earth it's not that he's going to do away with ah who likes dirt no he's going to glorify dirt in the new heaven in the new earth and the new Jerusalem it'll still be human it'll still be physical but it will have been transformed in glory and what we call the full inheritance, which involves the physical and the spiritual wed together. So there's Adam and Eve just begun. And along the way, they were to be eating of the tree of life and taking dominion. But when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and fell, they forfeited all of that. And we see a very important tragic lesson that we find in our own lives repeatedly. And it's this. When we are in relationship to the benefactor, the creator, the owner, we can have dominion. We can enjoy the things of this world. We can be a steward of God's kingdom. But if we break that relationship, if we stop eating from the tree of life, we in the end can no longer handle 
even the physical side of the inheritance. So there's Adam and Eve. There they were in the Garden of Eden, which is just a picture to me of what life is like when God is walking with us. When we're sharing with the inheritor, you know, he is the benefactor, we are the inheritors, and we're learning how to live in this wonderful world enabled by his life. How glorious this life is going to become. But now comes the fall. There's no more tree of life. They're just our own wits about us. And it ends up Adam, not Adam himself, but man can only build Babylon. I mean, man tries to build, man tries to steward, man tries to gain the world. This is the great tragedy we see in history right now. All men trying to gain the world, losing their soul, not aware that you cannot steward even the things of this earth without that divine life. Now there is a spiritual inheritance at the end that goes along with a full glorious revelation that we see in the new Jerusalem when all is transparent and full of the Lord. Every stone, every gold, gold piece, every jewel transparent with the glory of God. That's what life is going to be like one day. The spiritual inheritance and the Outward inheritance, do we want to call it that? Fully together. Fully glorious. But now, now there's something going on in the history of man with the fall. And it's this, this outward inheritance has become corrupted. A person can build a kingdom, but will only last a while. Everything becomes like that great statue of Daniel. doesn't matter if it's gold or silver or copper or or iron. It's going to fall down when the big stone of the kingdom comes and brings it down. Because it's corrupt. But what a tragedy. Man is chasing, chasing after something that he he cannot attain to, he cannot steward, he doesn't have the life, he doesn't have the wisdom, he self-destructs. I'm sorry, I'm afraid it doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican or whoever. There's too much corruption. And it's soon all of the dreams, the glorious dreams of the utopia seem to fall by the wayside every couple of years here in the United States anyway. But there we are just scratching and scratching and scratching and unable to attain because we were never meant to attain without the life of God. So man goes through this whole history learning these lessons, being corrupted, uh, building statues. And as it says in Romans chapter 1, not even acknowledging our benefactor the owner of this world, the creator, not even acknowledging him, but trying to gain the world and all the time losing our soul. Now the tragedy in the Bible is when Christians are trying to gain the whole world at the loss of their soul. Because Christians should know that God doesn't want to give you the inheritance of this world This world is passing away. Now, why would he give you an inheritance of something that's going to pass away? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) But (laughs) it seems that a lot of believers sure are working awfully hard to try to grab a piece of something that's shaken and passing away. 
But of course, it's through this life and our experience in this life as we try to uh, come in by the life of God into some kind of dominion of our realm, of our family, even of the place we work. Here's where we learn the lessons of the glory of our Lord and the greatness of what He can do. So we see even back in Adam and Eve. Don't, don't think that God was satisfied with, okay, Adam and Eve, now you rule uh, uh, the Garden of Eden. Wonderful. That's all I care about. Keep the vegetables coming. <laughs> there was so much more. Are we drawn by destiny? How about your life? Is there the so much more? Or have you lost it? Is it just the outward stuff? So, as we look uh, throughout the Bible history, it's wonderful how the Lord draws men into a sense of destiny. And we realize how it is by grace that the Lord draws anybody into a sense of spiritual inheritance. And so there was Abraham, of course, and he saw a revelation of the God of glory and that transformed his whole life, which was already, he was in his 60s at least, when he saw the God of glory and he suddenly realized that life is so much more than just living here on this planet. And they began to sojourn based on a promise. Now, it says in Hebrews 11 very clearly, By faith Abraham went out, not knowing whither, unto the, in search of the promised inheritance. And what was that? God says, I'm going to give you a land. So he started out just looking for the land. But it isn't it interesting, by the end of his life, he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Now what happened in the process? It started out being land. And then he ended up seeing something more. As a matter of fact, by the end of his life, he had no land. And yet, there was something of walking in his spiritual inheritance by faith. Because you see, there's something about spiritual inheritance that in the end is the glorious end. And yet, it's a present reality to those who have faith. There's a present enjoyment in life in our spiritual inheritance now, even before the full inheritance comes about. And Abraham walked through this world with no land like a king. He walked in nobility. People feared him. He walked with such richness. And the richer he got, the less he cared about it. Because he was now looking for the city. And God also gave him a, a second carrot. The first was the land. The second was a son, of course. But don't you know, he walked most of his life without his son. And once he gained his son, Isaac, his physical son... The day came when he was willing to sacrifice his son. Now think about it. Now You know what? In the ancient culture, your richness is determined by how many sons you had. Because that's who you could leave all of your wealth to and everything. It all had to do with your son. And here was Abraham's son and he was willing to give him up and sacrifice him to whom? Why? Because he already had seen his inheritance. God was his inheritance. He saw it. You see, that will be the key, which in my simple mind, I will be sharing with you tonight. And 
Tomorrow night, Abraham saw, God is my heritage. There's something even worth sacrificing my son for. It's this spiritual inheritance with this God who revealed himself to me. What a glorious life. Well, Abraham died without attaining much land. He had a, 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 a burial plot to his name. But he had gained his spiritual inheritance through that walk of faith that he lived. Right? And then we take somebody like Moses. Now Moses had an interesting commission after being in the wilderness for a number of years. God commissioned him to go get the children out of Egypt and bring them into their inheritance. Now that's quite a task. Bring them into the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey and all sorts of things. And Moses, of course, reluctantly realized that there's something a lot more going on here. He went down, of course, to Egypt and through the great hand of God delivered those children. Isn't it interesting? Moses never went into the promised land during his lifetime. He just saw it from a mountaintop. And yet something had transpired in those final 40 years of his life that began when he saw God in the burning bush. Something transpired in his life as he saw God up on the holy mountain when God said, I'm going to hide you in that cleft of the rock. I'm going to reveal my glory to you as I pass by. And as he passed by, what did God do? He said, now here's my name. I am God, Jehovah, compassionate, merciful, forgiving. What a revelation. And I think, to my mind, Moses laid hold of his spiritual inheritance up there on the mountain. And you know the story. I mean, Moses already was discovering that spiritual inheritance because sometimes he'd come out of the tent of meeting or he'd come down from the mountain and his face would be shining. He'd already seen the glory. There was a picture of a transforming work going on and oh Moses Moses his life was so much more than a shepherd his life was so much more than a servant of God his life was he was uh, 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 taking care of God's inheritance he was discovering God his inheritance he was becoming God's inheritance what a tremendous blessing. Well, of course, let's take David. What can we say about David? From the time he was a child, he was singing songs about God. He was running after God. He was a man after God's own heart. He was running. He, he was worshiping. He was serving God. He had his little... Uh, whatever that thing is, loot, right? Something like that. He was, uh, he was just crazy about God. And so... God raised him up and he began to win victories. Victory after victory. And then he became king and he began to reign. And he reigned and he, he ruled and he ruled over the enemies and, and he gained the city for God and he brought the ark back for God. And then he came and said, I'm going to build the house of God. God said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. Your son will do that. So David said, okay, then here's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I'm going to pout. Is that what he did? Oh, no. The rest of David's life, he said, okay, I can't build the house of God, then here's what I'm going to do. 
Every victory that I win, I'm taking all the money and preparing for the house of God. Every part of my life, every blessing that comes to me, every tribute sent to me by kings, I'm taking it and putting it aside to build the house of God. You couldn't stop David. Why? Why? He never saw the house of God. Why? Well, we all know, way back before he actually became a king, when he was hiding in a cave, hiding from King Saul, he wrote this little song, right? The Lord is my portion and my inheritance. My heritage is beautiful to me. There's a man who at that time in the cave had nothing. But he found his inheritance. And he held on to the Lord with a perfect heart, though he made mistakes as we all know, and we know all about that history. But throughout the Bible we see these people drawn by that destiny, drawn into the promise of their spiritual inheritance, and they lived the life on a higher plane. They didn't just go through the world like most people go through the world. Now we have to say, that on the whole, the people in the Bible just wanted the outward stuff. Just give me the land, that's all. That's all I care about. There were those who looked beyond, but most people just wanted hmm, their inheritance. And of course, when God gave the children of Israel their inheritance, what did they do? They left the Lord, which is the only way they can maintain their inheritance. And falling away from the Lord, they forfeited their inheritance. And then they cried out for mercy, and God gave it back to them through a judge, let's say. And, and they thanked God by falling away from him. And so they lost their inheritance again. And the story of the kings in the Bible is, a, is an account of the ups and downs of, of uh, Israel and Judah. And it all depended on how much these kings cared for that which was beyond their physical realm. Those who loved the Lord and loved his house whenever there was such a king... The whole country prospered. Now God loves to prosper his children when they're not focused on that prosperity. But as soon as the king or whoever was leading got his eyes turned off the Lord and he looked and said, Wow, aren't I rich? Immediately he started losing his riches. It's a good thing this isn't the history of Christians but just of the Old Testament days. There's a principle to be learned. We cannot live even the earthly life, our earthly job, our earthly responsibilities without taking from the tree of life and without sensing that there's something so much more important. Oh, dear sister, there's something so much more important than just you living out your life on this horizontal plane. Brother, you've got to come to this conviction. As you look and see Christ, He is the key for us to see that we have a destiny and begin to walk by faith toward the fulfillment of that. Well, of course you know the history of a fallen people. So interesting to me, God's grace and God's mercy. 
Israel was on the eve of going into their captivity because they had forfeited their land. This is our promised land. Now they'd forfeited Jerusalem, they'd forfeited the northern tribes, and now they were about to forfeit Judah because they'd all turned to idols. They were not seeking God. And just before the eve of Babylonian captivity, by God's grace, he revealed to Isaiah as an old man a wonderful revelation. It's an interesting thing to notice if you read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. I think maybe once, but maybe not even once, is the word Redeemer mentioned. And suddenly beginning in chapter 40 and onwards, the Redeemer shows up. Now, for those of you who know a little bit about the Redeemer, what it means is the near kinsman shows up. And this great promise was revealed to Isaiah and he wrote it down and it was this. There will come a near kinsman who will buy back the forfeited property and inheritance has been lost. He's coming. And by his blood, he will redeem the inheritance and bring it back to his children who have forfeited. What a wonderful uh, gospel of grace this was. And of course, that's what happened when Jesus came. He came to redeem the inheritance. And when he came to earth, back in those days, he said, let me tell you about the inheritance. Now, the way he put it was this. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, now let me tell you about the kingdom. It's yours. If you're poor in spirit. If you're meek, you inherit it. If you're pure, if you're a seeker, if you seek first his kingdom, all the other stuff will be added unto you. You'll be rich, but you won't be concerned about that. You're a seeker. You're poor. You're pure. You're meek. That's it. You've got the kingdom. Now, when he said that, of course, he was talking about the spiritual inheritance of the kingdom of the heavens. But the Jews couldn't understand them. Why? Obvious. They were looking for somebody to get rid of Roman rule. They wanted a political Israel kingdom. And they wanted a Messiah who was a military hero. A general of generals. And so when the Messiah came in their midst saying, let me tell you about your spiritual inheritance. They said, no, nah, not interested. Just get me free. Get me back on my job. That's all I want. Just give me a job. Don't talk to me about destiny. What is my purpose? Don't talk to me about glory. Don't care. Don't care. I just want my stuff. I want my freedom. And so they rejected Jesus. And they crucified Jesus. And in doing so, he became their redeemer. Now there in the Ephesians we read, in, uh, if you'll just turn back there for a moment. In Ephesians you'll see that there's those two um, references to inheritance. And the first one has to do with uh, Jesus coming to bring uh, the inheritance back to Israel. And the second has to do with his coming to bring the inheritance of Adam back to all Gentiles, all mankind. So we see here in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 1. 
We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Now by that he means the Jews. We who are the first to hope in Christ. Now, most Bible scholars believe that he's talking about the Jews in this particular case. There they were, the Jews had lost their inheritance. And then Jesus, the Messiah, came. And by this ratification by blood, he gave them a better covenant by which they could gain their inheritance. The difference is this. They lost their inheritance. And actually, it's a technical point, but the only way you can get it back through the near kinsman is he buys it back, and it's actually his, but you can enjoy it in him. Now, the Jews, through Christ their Messiah, he having died and rose again, they could gain their inheritance, but they have to do it in him, because it's his, not theirs, separately. You know what I'm saying? Of course it's theirs. But it's theirs in him. But then, of course, Paul's gospel, which he spells out so wonderfully, it goes on to say in verses 13 and 14 to the Gentiles, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as the pledge of our inheritance, with a view to our redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. And God, through Jesus, not only restored the inheritance to Israel, God, through Jesus, the Redeemer and Savior, restored the inheritance that had been lost by Adam. Adam, the first Adam, was crucified in Christ. Jesus, the last Adam, owns it all. And those Gentiles who believe become... It's, it's incredible when Paul says this, especially for the Jews. It's hard to swallow. But the Gentiles, by faith in Christ, have become joint heirs with all the Jews. We're all part of the same heritage because it's all in Christ. And it's all by grace. And it's all for us. As Hebrews says, Jesus has become the heir of all things. Now who wants to be in your spiritual inheritance? Well, we immediately see exactly how we will find it. In Him, our inheritance. In Him, we find God, our inheritance. In Him, He finds us, His inheritance. Oh, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We're in a tremendous sharing of glory to glory to glory as the Lord Jesus is restoring our inheritance to us. Now, uh, all of that sounded awfully fuzzy. I know some of you have already fallen asleep. And I, I don't blame you. So I'm going to give you seven things. If you are living in your spiritual inheritance, here's seven telltale signs from seven different scriptures, and it only takes, well, I dare say seven minutes, but it may take a little longer than that. Okay? In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, you, some of you might want to write it down, I don't know. But the first part of our spiritual inheritance that we have to enjoy right now, even before the final inheritance, even before the New Jerusalem, 
the new heaven and the new earth. Already we live in a kingdom of grace. Right now. Because we have this spiritual inheritance. You remember how Paul says here in verse 32 of Acts chapter 20. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The wonderful thing about the kingdom is you find it's a kingdom of grace. We've entered into forgiveness. We've entered into his love. We've entered into a a new power. A new life has been given us. And here is, as the children of this kingdom, this word of his grace. What is it doing? Building us up. And giving us the inheritance. Isn't that wonderful? Night and day there's something working on you. The power of the living word. And it's working. Building you into that wonderful inheritance. A second thing we can know. In this present spiritual inheritance that we have. Is this. We already read it in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. We've been given the Holy Spirit as the down payment sealed with the Holy Spirit as the down payment of our inheritance. What a tremendous issue this is. We've been given the Holy Spirit. Just just the beginning. That indwelling life. That one who is leading. You know, the Holy Spirit is like uh, is like that uh, angel of the Lord, the captain of the, the Lord's army that led the children of Israel through the promised land from property to property. And the Holy Spirit has come as our uh, guarantor of that inheritance and now he's leading us through the different properties of our inheritance. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals all there is of Christ to us. And, and this is just a down payment. This new enabling, this new indwelling, this new life, it's the Holy Spirit in us. Number three, you can tell that you're in the spiritual inheritance because you're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And these other things are added unto you. Have you been drawn by destiny to the place where you're really seeking his kingdom? Where you're seeking the king because you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. These are those who are possessing the spiritual inheritance. They have a goal clearly before them. It's not about your job. It's not about making money. It's not about being a happy family. It's all those things included in this package. You're seeking the kingdom first. For the fourth thing, we turn to 1 Timothy. Very end. uh, Chapter 6. Just for this little note. It's the other side of Matthew 6.33. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world. He's talking to Christians now. Not to be conceited. Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. But to fix their hope on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Now here's the other side. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he adds other things onto you. And we don't trust in those riches. You may have them today and not have them tomorrow. You may have a job today and not have it tomorrow. But you don't trust in that. 
No, you trusted God who gives you all things to enjoy. Now that's somebody who's obtained the spiritual inheritance. You can enjoy the things God has given you. You can steward the things that God has given you. You can give away the things that God has given to you because they don't belong to you. You're, you're looking after God and He's taking care of you. All these things should be added unto you. Have we come to that place where we've been drawn into that confidence? Seek first the kingdom of God. And He will add all these things. Don't trust in riches. Trust in Him who freely gives us all things to enjoy. Number five, 2 Peter in chapter 1. I'm just showing you a few scriptures to show you what you already know. In this spiritual inheritance which we have now, now as Christians, verses 3 and 4, we have His divine power seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. There's a big plan that God has as He calls us toward glory and excellence. But for the present moment, He's given us His divine power which has given us everything we need. Everything we need for life and godliness, and can I add, and service in the kingdom of God. We have been given everything because we see Him who is our inheritance. Number six, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, very familiar passage to all of us. Let me put it this way. Paul said to the young believers in Lystra, Iconium, and Derbe, through much tribulation you enter the kingdom of God. Our spiritual inheritance is the kingdom of God. Through much tribulation you enter the kingdom of God. But now in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 17, we see that this much tribulation has been turned into light affliction. Because of the eternal weight of glory and our eternal perspective. So he says in verse 17, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are unseen. Well, the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now there's somebody who's got their focus on the spiritual inheritance. And that much tribulation becomes our light affliction. You know how Paul says even in Romans 8, the same thing virtually. He says, you know what? Our present tribulation is nothing to be compared with what's going to be. Now do you see that? See, that's somebody who's got their eye on the inheritance. You see that. And then finally, and going along with that, I suppose, uh, in 1 Peter and chapter 1, Verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, 
to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And the final thing about somebody who is gaining their spiritual inheritance is this. They have a hope of glory that causes them to be buoyant and resilient through this life. Do you have a hope of glory? Is that really our possession? If it is, there's a buoyancy that results. Hope is a tremendous force in a person's life. You see what's going to happen. You see, look at what he just said there. An inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved for you. It's reserved. Do you see it? Oh, there's so many saints in this world. I was just talking to a brother just, just a moment ago. There's so many saints in this world who have nothing of the world's goods. Absolutely poor. In destitute situations. And they're absolutely buoyant because of the hope of glory. Shame on us that we have so much and we have no hope. Hopeless. We've gotten our eyes off the goal. Where's that spiritual inheritance? Now the Lord's gathered us together and His purposes are very specific. He wants all of us to enter in. He wants to say to all of us, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the inheritance. That's what He wants to say to everybody here. For some of us, it means just keep pressing on into that spiritual inheritance you see like Abraham saw it and Moses saw it and David saw it. Press in. Keep running that race. Keep looking unto Jesus. That's it. For some of us, we've got to have our eyes turned away from our absolute preoccupation with the things of this world. It's turned us away it's made us those who cannot properly steward our lives as servants of the kingdom. It's a shame. And for those uh, who are still on the outside looking in, Jesus is your inheritance. By faith, we should enter in. There's so much to find in this spiritual inheritance. There's a door that leads to a door that leads to a door that leads to a door. It's ours to discover. But we've got to get our eyes above just what's going on around us. Oh, the, I was just reading the other day something that uh, Tozer wrote in one of his uh, little, uh, well, I guess one of his messages he gave. And he says, if you get your eyes focused on the daily newspapers, you will hear a lot of bells and whistles and noise but get nothing of any value. He says, but there are some things that are very valuable to God. And the person who sees those has gained spiritual reality. There's so much clanging around us, isn't there? Oh, New York City, it's unbelievable. We live on 18th Street, right in Manhattan. Wonderful place. When we uh, rented this place, we didn't know on 19th Street... There's a, a firehouse. 
I don't know why firemen feel like they have to blow the sirens at three o'clock in the morning, really. There's nobody driving down 18th Street. But in order to get anywhere east, those fellas on 19th have to come down 7th and down 18th Street and with those sirens blazing, 3 o'clock in the morning. Now there's my heritage. <laughs> there's so much noise. So many people wheeling a phone over here and they got their something else over here. And the Lord is trying to talk to us. Turn aside, turn aside. And so the Lord's gathered us here. Isn't that wonderful? Lord's gathered us here. I don't know what we'll be able to comprehend. And if you didn't comprehend much tonight, it's okay. I'm bewildered by the greatness of this whole thing myself. Why don't we say, Lord, show us the inheritance. Lord, we don't want to be cheated. We don't want to lose that which you have given us in Christ Jesus. Oh, it's so precious, our inheritance. And so, Lord, we just come and we make our plea to you. Have mercy upon us. We're such dullards and our lives hang upon this globe so, so hardly. But, Lord, we want to raise our eyes above and see that throughout all of the circumstances of this world, you're trying to produce glory. And there's a spiritual inheritance that we can enter into now and taste and come into fullness and pursue by faith. Oh, Lord, make us those who live on a higher plane who have seen, who want to enter in. We thank you for the many who are here tonight who truly have a hungry heart, truly seekers after the kingdom of God, truly those who have paid a price to keep following and to enter into all their inheritance. Oh, blessed inheritance, our God, great benefactor of all things to us. You have blessed us in so many ways. We are rich beyond our comprehension because we found Christ. Oh, may he be our treasure as we live through this world. Help us, Lord. Help us. You know we're prone to wander. Lord, we know. But Lord, we ask that you would cast our eyes upon the greatness of our inheritance during this weekend through our precious brothers, through our times of fellowship and discussion and just around the meal tables. May we enter in to that great inheritance that's ours through Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.